like I said earlier, when Ben and I were up front, we are so glad that you guys are here. New or all here every single week. It doesn't matter. Like, we love that you guys come and choose to celebrate Sunday nights with us because this is a big deal. Being together is a big deal, and we just have a ton of fun being with you guys. So just know that. Like, this is seriously one of the highlights of my entire week of being able to spend time with you all. So that being said, my name's Chris, and if we've not had a chance to meet, I want, that needs to change. And so um, meet, find me afterwards. I'm going to be looking for you. Look for me. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know where you're from, what school you go to. That way I can be a part of your life and help you get connected here because that's important. Um, but if you are new or you haven't been here in the last couple of weeks, we've been working through a series called Accuracy. And so we've been asking questions about asking, who is God? Who is God in science? Do they complement or do they contradict each other? How do we know the Bible's true? How do we know that we can trust what is written in this book? And the, hope, the goal of this series is that you guys leave every single Sunday night with a more accurate view of who God is, what the Bible has to say, and how those two things relate to the topics that we're talking about. And so tonight is really a message to those of you who have made decisions to follow Christ, who are believers tonight, who call themselves Christians. The question that we're answering is, what is my role? What is my responsibility? What is your role? What is your responsibility in your relationship with Christ? in your relationship with carrying this out, because I know for a lot of us there, a lot of us have made decisions to follow Christ, which is incredible. And I could not be more excited about that. But what do we do with that? Is salvation just a a box that we just check off saying, yep, been there, done that, I'm good to go. Is it just a get out of hell free card? And then we're like, well, I'm saved from hell, so I can go live my life however I want. That's the question. So as we dive in, I wanna tell you a quick story. Many of you guys know that I love to travel, right? Whether you've seen my pictures or whether you've heard stories, I love to travel and I love to travel often and as far away as possible. Like that is something that I've done my entire life and I will continue to do for the rest of my life. But something that I love to do more than just travel is actually to hike and to climb and to mountaineer. And so I don't know if you guys know what that looks like or where that's been, but this is the picture that I've actually, I went to, uh, this is Mount Everest. So... I've been fortunate to have seen the world. I've traveled to more places than most people get to go to in a lifetime. And then when I I hike, when I climb, I don't just hike and climb the mountains that we get on the East Coast. Anyone ever been out to the Appalachian Trail before? Okay. Okay. The the Blue Ridge Mountains? The Shenandoah Valley? Okay. Those, Those names ring a bell? Well, those are hills. Those are what I like to call foothills. And they are beautiful. They, they really are. They are beautiful in their own way, but I don't like to call those mountains. Because I like to climb some of the biggest mountains in the world, and I've done it in Asia, I've done it in Europe, I've climbed the tallest mountains in the United States, parts of Africa, parts of Central America. Like, I love to climb. I've done Mount St. Helen. But I show you this picture. Hold on, let's go back to the first picture real quick. So the first picture is this. Almost four years ago, I took a trip to Asia. And part of this trip was was a trip to Nepal, and so I started at Kathmandu, and it was a five-day hike just to get to base camp. And this is at base camp. And so at base camp, you sit at 17,600 feet above sea level. That is taller than any mountain peak in the entire United States. And so for four or five days, you are climbing and climbing and climbing, and you are carrying your packs, and it is the most brutal thing I've ever done in my entire life, hands down. But you get to the base camp, and you stay there for a couple of days to acclimate to the climate and to the elevation, so you don't get sick. But in this moment, like, I have never felt so small in my entire life. Honest to goodness, like, it's crazy for me to think about that where I stand for this picture, I'm taller than any point in the entire United States, but then I'm still looking up like this. I'm looking up at Everest, and that's what you see in this corner right here. That's Mount Everest. 
And that is like, I'm only nearly, I'm just about just under halfway there. And I'm not, I, I would love to do Mount Everest in my lifetime, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. But Mount Everest sits almost at 30,000 feet. So go to the next picture. This, other, this is another picture of Mount Everest. And what, that's the, the peak right there you see in the center to the right, or right center, is Mount Everest. It's massive. Like there is nothing I've ever felt in my entire life that has kept me feeling so small. And in that moment, like you can't help, I can't help but say, God, you are so big. So let's look at the next picture. So this, this is actually, anyone take a wild guess? It's in the United States. It's not Everest. It's in the United States. Not Pikes Peak, that's a good guess. Not the Alps. This is actually Mount Rainier. This is Mount Rainier in Washington. And so many of you guys know that I used to live in Washington. I used to live in Seattle, and I would do a lot of climbing, a lot of mountaineering in Washington. And so this is Mount, Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier sits at 14,400 feet. It's one of the tallest mountains in the entire United States. That's one of my friends out on the peak skiing. So we backcountry skied it. It's phenomenal. Next picture. Oh, what you, what you need to know about Rainier, go back to Rainier real quick. It's actually a tra- Everest training mountain. Everyone who goes to summit Mount, or, uh, Mount Everest comes to Mount Rainier because it's so technical. It's so difficult. And so it's a big deal to get to the top of Mount Rainier. Go to the next picture. So this is Mount Whitney. Mount Whitney's in California. It is the tallest mountain in the entire United States at 14,500 feet. That is one of my friends right on the ridgeline. And so this is what we do. We will spend days getting to these points, hiking deep into the mountains for pictures. And it's incredible. But it's not just for the picture. It's for the experience. It's for like to have your mind blown by how small we really are and how big creation really is. So next picture. This is Mont Blanc. Mont Blanc since in France, it's, on, it's in the French Alps, or the Swiss Alps, and so it is on the border of French, or France, Italy, and Switzerland. Once again, these are my friends down at the bottom there. Truly, some of the craziest sites in the world. So these, these are mountains. So when you see like the, uh, the, the mountains on the East Coast, it's not to diss the mountains on the East Coast. They're just hills compared to these things. Last picture right here. All right, and so this is also in the Swiss Alps, and these are my two best friends that live out in Washington, Michael and Claire. And so we do a lot of stuff together. We do a lot of climbing adventures and excursions together. But what I love about this, and what I love about these pictures, is that they take moments and they, they turn into lifelong memories. I mean, really do. They, these pictures take me back to the, the feelings that I felt, the nights that I froze my toes off, the, like the, the pain that I experienced walking for miles upon miles upon miles. And so when I say I love hiking, like I love hiking. I, y'all just need to know that. But I don't hike just for the sake of killing my body. Like, that is not fun. And that's the truth. Like, this stuff hurts. This stuff is, like, super, super brutal to actually go and do. But I don't do it just to say, I need some exercise today. Let me go climb Mount Everest. Like, that is, that is not why I do what I do. I do it for the summits. I do it for the beauty at the top. I do it to see sunrises and sunsets when you're literally on top of the world. I do it for the feeling of accomplishment. Like, have you ever been somewhere where you've done something where you're like, that was really hard, but I'm glad I did it? Ever done that before? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's why I do it. It's like, man, like our bodies say, you can't do this. And your mind says, yes, I can. And you go and put your mind to it. And next thing you know, you're at the top. But here's the reality. A lot of people over the years have asked me, Chris, can I go on a trip with you? Chris, can I climb with you? Chris, let's let's do this together. I'm like, let's all do it. Like, I'm game on. Let's, you want to do it? Let's make it happen. But the reality of that is, is when I start telling them what it, it takes to actually go and do something like this, they're like, oh, I didn't know it would be so hard. <laughs> I didn't know that there would be so much work required to do this. 
I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is hard work. Like literally, <coughs> excuse me, throat's dry. But literally, this is hard work. Like just for an example, it's not only exhausting, not only does, your, does your body like physically wear it, your body hurts, your feet get crazy blisters, blood blisters that you just want to die over because you're just so, like your feet are just so beat up. Your food and water is limited. You're carrying 50 pounds on your back and your body feels every ounce of it as you're just like, get this thing off of me, all right? And then you have the mental battle that you're going through as the more you, the higher you climb is like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is this mountain worth my time? Because the reality is like, as I'm hiking, my mind is saying, no, it is not worth it. You would rather be stuffing your face with a milkshake and French fries than, than climbing up this mountain right now. And that's the, that's the honest truth because that's easy. Like life is easier down at the bottom. And so that's the battle that you're going on. It's not only like the physical like challenges that you face climbing these things, but then like the trail can be tough. The trail literally has its own dangers. The weather doesn't always play nice. Sometimes you start at the bottom and it is pitch perfect, sunny skies, 70 degree weather, and you're like, game on. And then the higher you climb, clouds roll in. The higher you climb, it starts to rain. The higher you climb, that rain turns to snow. The higher you climb, that snow turns to ice. The higher you climb, you get elevation sickness. And the next thing you know is you're curled up like a little baby under a rock because you can't move because you're in so much pain. Like that, that happens. Trail life is rough. And accompanied by trail life, you got, you got wildlife to look out for. Countless times, I, we've, had, we've run into bears, elk, moose, snakes. Oh, and I, I, I hate, I hate snakes. I would rather see a bear over a snake any day. But the reality is that when you come across wildlife, like at least if you're me, I freeze up. I'm like, oh, well, ooh, I hope it doesn't see me. I hope I don't have to deal with this. I hope it doesn't like come after me, but it, stuff happens in the wild. Like that's life. You don't know what's that's coming your way. And so with that, like those are the challenges that, that are unexpected, but the most important one that I want you guys to stick with is that the path isn't always clear either. Times you're hiking, times you're climbing, fog moves in, clouds come your way, and sometimes you can only see three feet in front of you. And you're like, I hope this is the trail. I hope I'm going the right way. And sometimes you just flat out don't know. And so we the countless times where I've been lost on trail, and it's not a fun experience. Not a fun experience. I've had rescue call to me once. Not a fun experience. Like, it's terrifying. Generally, when you get off trail, it's one of the most scary feelings in your entire life because you just, you're walking for miles in the wilderness where you like, do I go up or down? Hopefully it's down, but then you get in these false summits and you get in these ridge lines and you are just at a loss. It's terrifying. So the path isn't always clear. I want you guys to like, remember that. But this, the point of this is, I don't tell you this to share like, hey, I've seen the world, I've climbed some cool mountains. I share this with you because we can all relate. We have all experienced something like this, whether it's you athletes, whether it's you academics, whether it's you actors, whether it's you musicians, like anything worth having in life, anything worth achieving takes hard work. That's the point. It's not about summiting mountains. It's about we can all experience the hard work that it takes to master something. Who's learned a new instrument? Anyone ever learned how to play a new instrument? Like that's hard, right? It, some of you are just like naturally gifted and I get that. Sometimes learning a new instrument can be really, really hard, really difficult, especially the guitar, the violin. Like your fingers get hurt, like the calluses form. But what happens after playing? Your fingers toughen up. The cello. The cello. Exactly. 
But even though we can all relate, I want you to know that doesn't make it easy. Like, it's still hard. Learning these instruments, learning a language, learning your sport, learning whatever it may be, is still hard. It's not always fun. It's sometimes painful. Sometimes it even breaks you. Like, literally, sometimes it even breaks your bones for a season. But the point of that is that by pushing on and by pushing through, you learn a few things. Like, you, you grow up a little bit. You're like, oh, I can do this. I can deal with this. I can take this on again. And at the end of the day, you finally get to where you want to go by keeping at it, by keeping at it. And what I want you guys to know is in a similar way, it's the same with our faith. And this is the parallel, is that I realized as I've been hiking is that there's so many parallels between what I've experienced hiking and what I've experienced in my spiritual life. Because my relationship with God throughout my life has been a little bit like this. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I feel really high and I feel like I'm on that mountaintop with God. Sometimes I feel like I am in this pit, this valley, that I don't know how I got there, that I don't know where God is, I don't know how far away he is. Like, I just, I'm at a loss. So sometimes my relationship is, is felt like this. But we can all relate to this. And so what I want you guys to know is that in the same way that we understand that, the relationship with Jesus is a, like, it is a relationship. It's not something that is just a get out of hell free card. It's not just a box that you check saying, hey, you know what, I gave my life to Christ, now I can go do whatever I want with the rest of my life and I'm good to go. Like, that's not what our relationship with Jesus is about. So for the Christians here in the room, I want you to know you do have a role. You do have a responsibility in your relationship with Jesus as you grow, as you mature, as you become a, a, a follower of Jesus. Like, there's, a, there's parts of this that you are responsible to do. Just like in a relationship with your friends, whether your friends here, whether your friends on the bus, whether your friends at school, on your sports teams, in your neighborhood. Y'all aren't gonna be close. I want all eyes right here. Y'all aren't gonna be close if you aren't spending time with them, right? If you aren't being honest with them, if you aren't being transparent with them, like you guys won't be close at all. Well, the truth is that your relationship with Jesus is the exact same way. You're not gonna be close to Jesus if you aren't spending time with him. If you can't expect, while he wants that relationship with you, while he desires that intimacy with you, you can't expect to be close with Jesus if you aren't pouring in the time and the investment into who he has made you to be than anyone else. And so this is what we're gonna look at tonight is what James has to say. James is the book of the Bible that is super, super practical to our faith, to the application of our faith, to what we are to do as believers. And so we're gonna camp out in James chapter two tonight. And so if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn over to James two, verse 14. It's gonna be on the screen if not, but it says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, them, go in peace and be warmed and filled, but without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. All right, y'all get that. Faith without works is dead. I'll paint another picture for you if you didn't understand what was read. Let's just take, where's Charlie? Where's Charlie here? There's Charlie. All right, we're gonna take Charlie. Imagine Charlie just had a killer dinner with his family, which I'm sure happens a lot. But he just had like a bomb dinner. And, and it's like, let's just say it's a really, really cold night. The fall's coming in, but Charlie just had a, a killer dinner. And then in the middle of dinner, there's a knock at the door. Let's just say that knock is his friend Ross. So Ross is there and Ross says, Charlie, hey. And Charlie's like, Ross, what can I do for you, man? Like, what's up? And Ross is like, man, it's, it's, I'm having a hard time. And Charlie's just sitting there listening. He's like, all right, what's up? He's like, well, to be totally honest with you, I'm a little embarrassed to be here. Like, 
Most people don't know this, but I actually don't have any food to eat. I don't have any food to eat. And, and honestly, the weather's getting cold, and the only clothes I have are, are what I'm wearing. And I don't have a sweatshirt. Is there any way that I can get dinner tonight? Is there any way that I can just, just get a sweatshirt from you, and I'll be on my way? So that's what Ross says to Charlie, and Charlie goes, you know what, Ross, I feel you. I feel that, man. But you know what, you just need faith. You need faith, like God will provide, and you can just get on your way, like he will warm you, he will fill you. And, and Charlie just shuts the door in Ross's face. Like that's just one, cold-blooded. But two, but two, the reality of that is, is Charlie, Charlie may have spoken some truth. Maybe, maybe Ross did need some faith. Maybe he needed to believe that God would provide. But what scripture tells us is that Charlie's faith is absolutely dead because he, I know that's brutal to, like, to think about, but that is, that is the, what happens is that when we have the ability to help those in need, and this is what it says, like, what good is your faith if you believe Jesus will provide, but you are totally blind to your ability to actually provide that for someone else? What good is it? Yes, God will provide, and maybe God was using Charlie to say, you know what, Ross? I got a sweatshirt for you. I have a meal for you. Come on inside. Like, that is, that is the works side of our faith. But what scripture says, what James says, is that our faith without works is absolutely dead. Absolutely dead. So hopefully some light bulbs are going off for you guys because I know this happens on a regular basis, whether we well, I would like to admit it or not. We ignore the Holy Spirit. We ignore people in our lives. We ignore opportunities to be the life of Jesus in people's lives because we're so caught up in saying, you know what? You just need more faith. Sometimes we are and we, are, we do the faith, we do the works to provide, to show the faith that we have in Jesus. Like that's what our call is as Christians. That's our responsibility. That is the work that we are to do. So let's continue. If you have your Bibles, let's just keep going on the same passage. Verse 18, and, and James continues to say, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one and you do well. But even the demons believe that, that God, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. I love this passage because one, it shows us that our faith can't be separated from our works. If we are a true disciple, if we are a true Christian, then we're pouring into our relationship with Christ, then, then our works need to, are to reflect that relationship. Our works are to reflect our faith. And it's like, hey, you're living your life because this is who God has made you to be. And this is who you're living out of. Not to be, hey, I'm a, I'm a believer. Not to be what Charlie, that example of Charlie. Not to be like, hey, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. But you know what? I don't have any food for you tonight. I don't have a jacket for you. You can just get on your way because you need more faith. Like faith without works, faith without the action of this is dead. So do you think Abraham had any idea what God was going to do when he took his son Isaac to the altar? What do y'all think? Do you think Abraham knew that God had an additional sacrifice waiting for him? No chance. No chance Abraham knew that. What Abraham did was solely out of obedience. And I, would, I bet it broke his heart. Genuinely, I bet when God told Abraham, hey, you're gonna need to go sacrifice Isaac. Take him to the altar. Like that would have broken his, the father's spirit, right? But out of obedience, out of a blind faith kind of mentality of Abraham saying, you know what, God? Hey, I love you more than anything. I love you more than life. Let's do this. 
I don't understand it right now. I don't get it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. So that's what we see. We see Abraham take Isaac to the altar. And out of his obedience, God provided an additional sacrifice. Abraham didn't have to kill Isaac or sacrifice Isaac. There was a ram there that God provided. But it was a testing of Abraham's faith. It's like, will you go to the, to the unknown for, my, for me? Will you go into the place that you don't always know where I'm leading you? That's tough to do sometimes, right? But much like Abraham, we, we, all eyes right here, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't always know where God's taken us. We don't always know where God's leading, where his calling is gonna be because some of us, some of us, God will take some crazy places. Some of us will be called into ministry. Some will be pastors. Some will be church leaders. Some will be volunteers. Some will be missionaries. Some of you will be CEOs and executives. Some of you will be professional athletes, potentially. Some of you, some of you can be musicians, whatever. I mean, like there's a this huge variety of opportunities of what is in this room. And we don't know where God's going to lead us. We don't know where God's going to take that. But whether you're the nation's next hotshot CEO of some tech firm or you're the next hotshot plumber, like the reality is, is that your call as a Christian, that God's call for you as a believer remains the same for every single one of you, whether you're a toilet cleaner or whether you're the one making millions of dollars in Wall Street. Like your call as a believer is the same and that is to make God known, to make Christ known. So if you're a Christian tonight, that is our calling. That is our reality is to make God known. So you do have a responsibility. You do have a role to play in this relationship with Christ. And so I want you to do something for me. I want you to close your eyes for me real quick. I want you to think about someone that you admire, that you respect, that you like look up to because of their, their spiritual hero in your own life. I want you to think of that person. Once you have that person in mind, I want you to look back up to me. Okay, there's a lot of us tonight. We all, there's a lot of us who have a spiritual role models. They can be alive or dead. I don't care. Just give me a couple. Who are they? Yes, ma'am. Your dad. Yeah. Grandfather. Grandmother. Mother. Okay, yeah. Christian. Friends and family, there's some spiritual role models there. Yeah, last one. Your mom, last one. Brother. Okay. So, yes, there, it's, a, it's great to have some spiritual role models. But what I want is like mine, mine is a man named Jim Elliott. He's dead. He died on the mission field. He, he literally was murdered by the people he was trying to like love and minister to. But I share that, I ask you that because the reason that we have someone to look up to as a spiritual role model, so a spiritual hero, is for a few reasons because likely they're living out their faith. Like they're investing in their relationship with God and they're applying what they've learned to their everyday life. Because if you can look to them as a spiritual role model, it means they're doing something right. It means they're spending time with Jesus because here's the reality is that as much as we spend time with Jesus, people know it. When we spend time with Jesus, it's evidence of those around us. So if you're a Christian, I want you to know that you have a responsibility and that is to spend time with Jesus to make God known because it'll be evident by our works. So here's the last thing. Once again, I'm gonna ask you guys to close your eyes, bow your heads, band's gonna come back up. But if you're a Christian here tonight, I want you to think about this question. Am I taking my faith seriously? Am I investing time in my relationship with Jesus? Do my words and actions at school, at home, at practice reflect my faith? Or honestly, if you're gonna be honest with yourself, do they do the exact opposite? Do people know you're a believer 
by the way that you act at school. And if they were to find out, would they be shocked? Would they be disappointed? And I don't ask you these questions out of a place of judgment. I genuinely ask this out of these questions out of a place of love solely because I know that God desires that for you. He desires that relationship with you more than anything in the world. Because God deeply desires what's best for you when you don't even know what's best for yourself. And so as a believer, that is part of our responsibility as we grow and mature as a follower of Christ is that we spend time with Jesus. It's that simple. Your mama can't do it for you. Daddy can't afford to do it. Your, your brother, sister can't do it for you. You're the only person who can spend time with Jesus. And it's out of that desire for a love for him that we do that. And so I just want you to think about this. What does your relationship look like with Jesus? Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this time that we get to spend together to be in your word. Thank you for the truth that it is in knowing that, that we do have a responsibility. It's, uh, while the gift of salvation comes to us freely, God, that there's work on our end that needs to be done. And I just pray for each of these students that whether they know Jesus or whether they know you or they don't, God, that you will either continue to pursue them and chase after them like I know you do, and if there are students here who do know you, God, that, that you will continue to strengthen them, to make them into the men and women that you have called them to be, and you desire them to be. God, I pray that they will have the strength to continue in that discipleship, to that discipline of, of that time investment with you. Just as difficult and challenging it is to climb that mountain, God, that we don't get to a strong relationship with you overnight. It's a journey. It takes years of our lives, God. I just pray that we will continue to be focused on what that looks like for each and every one of us. God, we love you. Amen.